Hi, James. Ben, how are you? Uh, I'm okay. I, uh, are you done with your many bathroom breaks? Oh my gosh. I Yeah, so <laughs> you're really throwing me under the bus here. I, I was just, I, I don't know. There's, I don't know if anyone can relate to this, but when you're about to sit down and watch a movie, the thought of the fact, like in the cinema, the thought of the fact that you can't go to the bathroom during a two-hour movie, all of a sudden like you feel trapped and you need to go to the bathroom, even though physically you should be more than capable of sitting there. I just had one of those moments at uh, at the beginning of the podcast. So we were about to start and then I had to run to the bathroom and now you're giving me shit for it. And, and yeah, now you're talking about the bathroom and, and going and shit. And uh, <laughs> that's a great segue to our sponsor. Um, <laughs> no, it's not. Oh my God. Yeah, we, we talk about brand advertising a little bit. Um, Zendesk makes software for a better customer service. Its platform is designed to bring organizations and their customers closer together and is used by more than 60,000 organizations in 150 countries. Customer relationships are built on trust and communication. We're communicating very well right now. Uh, that requires making customer service a core part of product experiences, not an afterthought. Make your customer service seem like magic by building it directly into your apps, websites, and products with Zendesk Embeddables. Find out more by visiting zendesk.com slash embeddables. Thanks, Zendesk. Uh, yeah, no, thank you, Zendesk. And uh, hopefully we're leaving positive connotations around your brand uh, and b- building customer affinity. Um, but we can get back to we can get to Facebook later. Uh, we, there was one point, um, speaking of brands um, and going in the opposite direction, uh, we talked uh, about Volkswagen last week. Mm. And... Um, uh, Turns out, James, did you know that pollution causes people to die? No, really, Ben. I know it's, it's true. It's proven by by them 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 darn scientists and everything. Well, I was going to say uh, it's proven by the thirty thousand tweets that we, but mostly you got when we compared Ford just killing people with Volkswagen just polluting GM. Oh, GM. sorry. Oh uh, my gosh, GM. Sorry, not Ford. Oh. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't get a suit here. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, I, I am. Uh, turns out, I am aware that uh, that that uh, pollution. Probably the most frustrating thing is that I said on the podcast that pollution does kill people. And I also on the podcast clarified that uh, the issue with the diesel was nitrous oxide. Uh, Actually, uh, the amount of carbon dioxide, which is, you know, the problem with global warming uh, is actually less. uh, It's it's a trade off. Like it gets better fuel economy. So it uses less gas. So it emits less carbon dioxide in exchange for emitting way more nitrous oxide, which causes smog, causes things like asthma and respiratory illnesses. So of course it kills people. I know that. Uh, I think I, I don't know if I mentioned the time, but I had just read an article before we recorded is like 18 to 24 people or something, or that's the estimates were, in, were around there. There's been other estimates later. We'll link to one in the New York times is anywhere from like nine to like 110, which is still less than GM. I note. Um, but so yes, we know pollution kills people. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to play devil's advocate here for a second because I, I have a few friends who who listen. Hello, friends who are listening. And they tell me what their oftentimes their reaction is to us listening when we're talking about topics. And I love that we talk about topics that make them do this, but I've heard them describe themselves shouting at the radio as they're driving to work. They're like, Ben, what are you talking about? James, you are crazy. This is wrong. Why aren't you talking about this? And I imagine what's happening, or, or uh, I'm, I'm 
being maybe, a, I don't know, like people are like, why aren't you guys talking about the fact pollution kills people and like da, 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 and they're getting all worked up and they want to express it. And the only way they can do it is through Twitter at us. And in which case I kind of understand. And maybe I feel a little bad. I should have explicit, as we were talking about it, I should have explicitly made the point. So I don't know. I value greatly the feedback that I get for the site and we get for the podcast. Um, and and I want that to continue and I value that. And it's just, it's one of those things. It's more, this is a, this is like, this is a lesson that I've had to learn. And I, I don't know. It, it, it's just, it, it was, it's funny. We were, we were laughing about the pollution thing all week. Um, but, uh, you know, and, and a lot of them were very valuable feedback. Speaking of uh, uh, explaining things, and this is, this is, I think this is the exact opposite case, but I think it's something worth getting into. We've talked about mm. it previously, but I wrote about mm. Facebook this week. Um, and, uh, and trying to put it in more of like a historical context why I think the company is a big deal. I've obviously I've written about Facebook a lot, but it's there's been different bits and pieces. And I'm like, and I wanted to write one piece that was like basically putting them next in line, Microsoft, then Google, then Apple and Google uh, for, with, with Android and iOS, and then Facebook. And, and in the way that Google sat on top of Windows uh, and was ultimately boxed in by that uh, in that, you know, the, the, a lot of Google's value and growth was about the number of computers that are online, basically. And also the way you use a computer with intent. Um, you, you go to a PC mm. to use it. And that's what Google is. You go to Google to find something and it sells ads that against that uh, and direct response mm -hmm. answers where it's intended to get a response, a lead a sale. Um, and contrasting that against mobile, Mobile, where the platform, the Windows equivalent is, is Android and iOS, um, a duopoly. And there it's actually the opposite of intent. Like the only time we're using our phones all the time, except for when we're actually doing something. If you think about it, right? I'm doing work, so I'm not mm. using my phone. Like, like I'm talking to you. So hopefully you're not using your phone, but who knows? I can't see you. Uh, but but all the rest of the time we're using our phones. You know, like in and mobile fills all these spaces in between, and and that combined with the fact there's just way more mobile phones than there ever were computers means the commensurate market is is way bigger because it's bigger in two dimensions. It's bigger from a, a a number of devices perspective, but it's also bigger from the amount of time perspective. And you, you multiply those together and you get a very big number. Uh, and into that, the ideal application isn't a intent driven application. It's a, it's a default application. It's like where I go to find stuff, to see what's going on that, that feeds those, you know, the, the dopamine mm -hmm. receptors or whatever. And that's Facebook, right? And if it's not Facebook, it's Instagram, or if it's talking to someone, you know, it's, it's WhatsApp or it's kind of the, the stable that they're building. And just like Google was kind of an intent engine uh, that matched the PC's sort of use case. Facebook is kind of a sit back and let it wash over you sort of thing, just like mobile just kind of fills in the dead time. And the my contention is over time, the sort of advertising is going to thrive in that is going to be more brand advertising, which is more about washing over you, changing affinity, um, and yeah, I want to talk about the brand advertising bit, but that was kind of the, the thesis of, of the thing. And that the market is, is the brand advertising market. Is, so you have three things, number of devices, larger amount of time, larger, and the pool of money in brand advertising is 10 times larger. And that's why Facebook, I think is the fourth, 
the fourth mm, in that chain. I think that makes complete sense. So the the point that uh, that I wanted to expound because I, I get this I get this question a lot, and I think it's a very fair question. Um, and we've t- again we've touched on it, but I think it's worth going into again. Is one um, beyond the question about when and if will brand advertising move to mobile and digital? And it, it already is. I think it's going to accelerate as TV kind of continues to lose attention, particularly mm. young people. But but there's a thought, particularly among tech people, that the once brand advertising money goes online, it's going to move much more to direct response and direct response is where you immediately do something because it's easier to track and you can track conversion, all that sort of stuff. And um, what do you think about that? I think that's, I, I, I think it's, it's 50% right. I think what we might find will happen is that digital will enable uh, brand advertising to be tracked a little bit better. It's still like it's still hard to do, but if you take a look at the moves that Facebook have made, um, is it called Project Atlas, where they're going behind the scenes yeah, to connect everything that they can possibly get their hands on? So going to traditional, like a whole bunch of these marketing companies that have piles and piles of data based on things that they've bought from who knows where. The aim is to connect everything. My my suspicion is that uh, that that thesis is partly right, but it, the the result of it is not that brand advertising is going to go away. It's that brand advertising is going to be able to be tracked over a period of time. Right, and I think I think that's that, that's a great way to put it because it it still won't be direct response advertising. Direct response advertising has a very specific meaning. It's it's it immediately results in a lead mm. or a sale or something like that. And that's, you know, that's what Google specializes in. Um, brand advertising uh, is, yeah, it's about changing your opinion and your affinity over time. And that, and if you think about the, the sort of products that specialize in this in particular, uh, a huge one is autos. And for obvious reasons, they're huge, big ticket purchases that, uh, uh, and where brand and perception play a big role. Another one is CPG products, uh, which are, you know, could be deodorant, mm-hmm. detergent, whatever. And the reason those matter is because the lifetime value of them is massive. Yeah, one particular product doesn't cost mm-hmm. very much, but once you get a brand, you usually stick with it <laughs> for life, which means like acquiring a customer is super, super valuable. Um, what's another one? Uh, beer, uh, of uh, a similar sort of dynamic where once someone gets attached to a brand, you usually have mm. them for life. Uh, and, and so these sorts of things with your uh, big ticket purchases or stuff that has significant lifetime value spend an, a lot of money on, on brand advertising. And they're not necessarily, they're not interested in direct response per se, because no one is going to see an ad for deodorant and Oh, click through and buy a stick of deodorant, right? That's, you're you're not in a deodorant buying mood when you're viewing ads. Whereas I'm searching for life insurance, I'm searching for a a lawyer. Like you're you, you know you're going to spend money. You're just looking where or, to spend it. Yeah, and so I was, was going to so say like the circumstances under which you're buying are different. So you you might see a right. coupon to see a discount for deodorant. Yeah, that actually might have some effect. But what it's more likely to do is like, I was going to buy deodorant, but if I can get two for the price of one or something, I'm going to buy more deodorant than I was otherwise going to buy. 
Uh, yeah, which 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 is is a thing. I think that was probably more of a thing too. Um, when with newspapers, I, do they? Yeah, I mean, do, like I, walk I don't know how much CBS or or whatever, and you you see those things, and it does sometimes have an effect. Like okay, like yeah. all right, I you know I know I'm going to use this eventually, and I suspect it has to do with someone's trying to move inventory or hit quarterly numbers and they're willing to give up some margin in exchange for getting it's i don't necessarily think it gets you to change brand affinity what it might get you to do is buy a little bit more of what you're already going to buy right no but i think the broader point though and um is that that i would make and i think that uh the the brand the the brand sort of money Yes, there's certain things, and maybe you could put cars in this, but I, I would, I'm not sure yet. Yes, there's going to be some products where, with the increase in transparency and information that's brought about by the internet, people will ideally start buying, you know, the best product instead of the one that they were advertised about. Um, and that's an argument that I hear. But I, I when you think about the sort of, no, sorry, go ahead. I mean that's an argument I subscribe to. I do think that. I, I definitely believe that. In fact, that's that's the thesis of the company that I'm working for right now, Medallia. It's like the the it used to be that you were if you had a good experience with a company or you liked something, you could only tell your family and friends. But now you have a good experience or a bad experience that the internet has enabled that uh, like your reach to be ex- exponentially higher. Um, and and that sums up like. I, I won't, and it, obviously it varies by category and what you're buying, but like I won't walk into a new restaurant now without checking the Yelp reviews. Sure, for sure. But I, uh, uh, restaurants aren't doing branding advertising. Well, I guess, you know, McDonald's and fast food chains are. Um, but I would contend, my, 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 I guess my response would be is um, the – sort of industries and companies that drive the huge portion of the brand advertising market uh, are, I just don't see them ever. Mm. The whole point of it and the whole reason why brand advertising works in them is they're not worth time and effort to research. Like, yes, maybe the the geekiest among us will sit down and like do pros and cons of deodorant types. All right. So let me pick another one, like hospitality. Like when you're going to book a hotel, will you check TripAdvisor or will you just default to a brand? Uh, I'll default to. SPG. Yeah, and and I mean so I'm, I'm sh- uh, yeah <laughs> totally, and I'm sure there are a number of people who will. But for people who travel less, I, like I'm sure TripAdvisor drives a very non negligible number of people to hotels and the uh, to to specific hotels, and it tends to be the hotels that are most highly ranked, right? For sure, for sure. But um, and so no, I I I, w- w- I think we can ag- agree yeah. to agree. Um. <laughs> where in that yes for to some degree and more for some industries than others uh internet and the ability to get reviews and all that sort of stuff will for sure play a role um i guess where i differ with folks oh so that's number one um it, number two is this idea that uh brand like brand the whole reason why that direct response will take over from brand advertising because direct response you can actually track it um, I think that's to not understand what brand advertising is mm. trying to accomplish, uh, in, and uh, and so my, bro- my I guess my broader point is I think people overestimate the degree to which brand advertising is going to to go away. It, 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 it's gonna it's gonna change as it goes on the internet, and I think your point about Facebook trying to see if they can measure it because that is 
the pot at the end of the rainbow, right? If you can actually track brand advertising uh, from impression to purchase months mm. down the line, uh, like that, the value of that would 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 be just incredible. Um, I, yeah, I, I mean, but it's it's still brand advertising. Oh, absolutely, it's just done yeah. Better, and I, I mean, so. I think merging these two points, I I think it, th- th- they work at different stages of people in the funnel. I mean, and that. Yes, and and exactly. so the idea that all of a sudden people aren't going to be at the top of the funnel for certain categories or even not in a funnel and you want to reach them before they're even thinking about it so you plant that seed in their head. I don't think like the, the idea that that's going away, I, I, I don't buy that at all. It's just not. There are going to be categories of products that you're going to buy in the future that you haven't even really thought about buying yet. And if, an, if, a, if a company can market to you uh, before that happens, then they absolutely will. And there's very little doubt in my mind that's effective. I guess tying it back to the previous point, though, is I, I, I think what will happen is not that brand advertising will go away, but if they're not also focused on the the level of experience that they're delivering, if you start advertising a brand as this fantastic thing, I think people will start to check more reviews. They will That transparency will start to happen and that will also influence people at the top of the funnel. But if the brand is very distinct, like if you're trying to say one thing and it turns out the reality of what you deliver is another, like your ability to like pull the wool over consumers' eyes, I think is going to be lessened dramatically. No, absolutely. I, I no, I think that I think that's a great point, and I think that's a one and it's a wonderful thing. Um, I, the I I do want to go back to the marketing funnel. I'm glad you brought that up. So we're getting an MBA speak with the marketing funnel is basically it's a framework for thinking about marketing in general, where the you think about a funnel, you start with a very wide amount of people and then you get down to to a very small amount of people. And the idea is you want to get people into the funnel first, which is just general awareness, like awareness of this this brand exists or this product exists or this category exists. And then so that's just step one. And that's actually really hard. Um the yesterday was the uh what was I've been talking about for a while, but the liability shift for for mm. cards in the U.S., which means uh, all cards have to have a chip now, and 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 points of sale should accept the chip cards. And if either of the party lacks that, like they don't have the right point of sale, or they don't have the right card, that person or their bank is liable for fraud instead of the bank just automatically being liable. And so as I wrote this yesterday in the update. Like it turns out that the VAT so. A lot of people, including myself, thought that, oh, there's going to be a big shift in people in merchants buying these new terminals to get ready for the liability shift so they wouldn't be liable for fraud. Um, Three billion of the three point four billion in fraud in the U.S. is counterfeit cards, which this will defeat. Um, And that's going to be worthy for Apple Pay because all these new terminals will likely accept NFC as well. Uh, it turns out that while all the big retailers are all shifting over, as people have probably experienced, they've gone to Walmart or Target or, or Best Buy or whatever, um, like 90% of small retailers uh, or something like that have not. And it's because they have no idea. Like, And so what's going to happen is some tiny retailer is going to get is going to go out of business because of some they're going to be liable for fraud done in their store done their store that they've never been responsible for because they didn't get a new point of sale. And it's because they just had no idea. And, and there's lots of things, interesting things about that, about payments specifically. Um, we, we don't have time to talk about payments in, in this podcast, but the point is it's so easy for me in particular. I think people in general to uh, when I, I live in an information bubble, I, I swim in information and news and stuff 
all day, every day. That's what I do. And people have busy lives. Like they're not dumb. They're just, they're busy running a store and, Mm. you know, running inventory and dealing with angry customers. Like they don't have time to, to, to know about stuff. And it's really hard to make people aware of anything in this world. Uh, And so that's, that's actually the hardest part of that's where brand average. That's what brand saying is first and foremost about it's getting people to even know you exist. And it's actually a really hard job. And that's why the vast majority of advertising money is spent on that specifically. Yeah. I, yeah, I <laughs> won't get any argument from me about that. Yeah. So basically you go down the funnel, right? It gets narrow. First you're aware, then you kind of consider it like, Oh, maybe I'll, maybe I'll get this one or maybe I'll get this thing. Then you have, you have a preference and then, and then you, you actually like, and you can actually like buy it, right? The, the buying it is at the bottom of the funnel. Um, and Google the reason why they're so profitable is they dominate the bottom of the funnel, right? You already know, you're already aware of a need. You're already considering what to get. You go to Google to search for it and they deliver, they deliver the answer along with the opportunity to pay to put your answer there. And when a customer clicks on that ad, the likelihood of them converting into a customer is significant, especially if you have high lifetime value sorts of things like insurance or high ticket items like travel. I mean, they'll pay tens, high tens of dollars for a single click because the, the they know they're getting a customer already at the bottom of the funnel. And they just need to right. convert them. I mean, you you pay up. I mean, you're almost you're willing to pay a hell of a lot, almost up to the entirety of your margin to get someone. Because why wouldn't you? Right. Exactly. No, exactly. Whereas the brand advertising thing is, is just making people aware. And again, this, the whole point is the, the attitude of the person you're trying to reach is totally different in these two areas. The person at the bottom of the funnel already knows what they want. You're just trying to tell them you're the right mm-hmm. choice. The person at the top of the funnel doesn't even know what they want. They're not even aware they're even in the market. And, and so you think about Google works great for that bottom one because it's all about mm. intent. And this is the whole point about Facebook is when you're, you don't go to like, you don't go to, uh, oh, James, uh, we're going to have to, can we take a break sure. from the podcast? It's one twenty. It's my check Facebook time. I need to, I need to spend You know, I actually uh, thought you were serious. I was like, oh gosh, is there, <laughs> is there like one of your kids is okay? Like is something wrong? It's. Yeah. Okay. You you got me. Then no. Completely. No one. No one. No one has an appointment to check Facebook yet. So, right. But we all check it yeah. all, the, all 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 the all the time, and a billion people checked it in a single day or last month. And that's the time you want to reach people with brand advertising because they're not they're not focused. It's like our. It's like what, what we talked about last week. You know, like being focused versus being emergent um, versus deliberate. Uh, emergent. Right. You want to get people in an emergent state mm-hmm. of mind where they're open to things and they're not focused and they're just kind of letting their mind wander. And oh, that's interesting. Oh, blah, blah, blah. And, and that's when brand advertising is the most effective. That, that's one of the many reasons why it's so dominant on TV. Um, and that's the state of mind that Facebook. It's, yeah, inhabits. I mean, you, you set this up at the start, but it's really hard to overemphasize how well positioned they are to take over this from television. Now, in part, it's because of the tracking, but it's just in part because. People, when they're in, the, particularly young younger folks, are in this passive state. Uh, it's not. It's no longer the case that they're they're watching television. It's the case they're on their phones. And there was actually um, there was an essay in the New York Times recently that, like, it it brought it to life. And I pulled it up in front. 
Um, we can link to it in the show notes. It's, it's, it was an essay relating to a book, and I'm just going to read this excerpt. Um, I have seen this resilience during my own research at a device-free summer camp. At a nightly cabin chat, a group of 14-year-old boys spoke about a recent three-day wilderness hike. Not that many years ago, the most exciting aspect of that hike might have been the idea of roughing it or the beauty of unspoiled nature. These days, what made the biggest impression was being phoneless. One boy called it time where you have nothing to do but think quietly and talk to your friends. Now, it's like it it keeps going. The campers spoke about their new taste for life away from the online feed. Now, on one hand, I read this and I kind of got mad to think about the effects that Facebook is having. Like, I I don't like this idea that people uh, fill every second of their day uh, doing this, looking at this cura- this feed that people curate about themselves, about how wonderful their life is, and there's really interesting research about how it makes people unhappy. But putting that aside, it just speaks so perfectly to how well positioned this company is to take on exactly this problem of brand advertising in the future. As more and more of those kids come online, that they're going to be using apps that are just like you described, like Facebook, like Instagram, where it's kind of passive. Like I can, I have a moment, I can just scroll through. Yeah, and uh, and and there is the other company I mentioned just in passing, but I've written about them last last spring. Snapchat. Mm. I mean, people people laugh at the people in tech laugh at the idea that Snapchat's not going to sell barely any demographic information or not really anything and that people are going to, you know, they're going to make money selling ads. No, they will. And they will because it's TV 2.0. It's, it's Mm. like brand brand. Yes. Ideally you could target the perfect person. We talked a little bit about this a couple weeks ago and, and track it all the way to purchase, but branding it's, it's so much more about just casting Mm. a wide net and so the the actual what you pay per person is 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 much less than for a direct response ad like like Google or whatever. But the 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 but that's okay. It, it's much more of a um, it, it's yeah. It's more about just casting cast casting a wide net and uh, and it, it's 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 a frustrating topic I think for people in tech in particular. Um, you know, kind of the best way to know that brand advertising works is that when you stop doing it, your sales yeah, go down. I mean, all the marketing uh, works. Like, I, you know, I know that 50% of my marketing spend is really effective and 50% isn't. I just have no idea which 50% it is or whatever that joke is. Right, exactly. No, exactly. No, and there, there's a whole host of them and, and they're all and they're all based in truth. And obviously the holy grail is that that not be the case. But my contention and my feeling is that that will always to a fair degree be the case. Just, it's the very nature of this sort of, uh, of what's trying to happen. And one more thing, as long as we're on like uh, people, uh, geeks in advertising, mm-hmm. there's, you always see the whole people like, oh, uh, oh, I don't respond to ads. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, ads have no effect on me. Um, oh, blah, blah, blah. And, and I, th- again, I think it's conflating direct response advertising with brand advertising. Um, I hate to say it, but uh, no, I don't think there's anyone in the world that's impervious to brand advertising, especially if it's done well. Um, and, and it's just, you can argue that it shouldn't exist. I would disagree with you for lots of philosophical and practical reasons. Um, but you, you can't with this, you can't honestly say you're impervious to it because the entire point of it, the most effective sort of it is that you don't even know what's happening. Yeah. I mean, 
right? If you're, if you're aware that you're being brand advertised to, then yeah, it's not working. It's funny you mentioned that because I've uh, like, we've talked about going outside your culture and experiencing different places. And at various points in time, I've, I have traveled to places where for whatever reason, there's a ban on branding or or public advertising. And this is just one form Mm -hmm. of brand advertising, but public advertising is typically related to brand. It's, um, and you know what's funny is you, you, you mean you're, you're not going to go click on a billboard uh, and buy something on the yet. spot? I'm sure there are there are a few of those <laughs> popping up, but like it's crazy. I actually you don't notice it until it's taken away. But if you're in a city that for whatever reason has no brand advertising, it's at first you don't realize what's going on. You feel like something's different, and then you begin to really appreciate it. And it, it clicked for me while traveling in one of these places, and it you realize it's. Uh, to kind of tie it backwards, it feels that in particular feels to me like a form of pollution. It's visual pollution, the same way a lot of these, like all the banners everywhere are. Like some of those are direct response, some of them are branding, but it is nice when they go away. I, w- I will say that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and that's fine, and that's a completely separate debate, um, which, which which is an interesting one. Um, I, I don't know that we have we have time to have it today, but. Um, yeah, you know, but the whole the whole point is, I every time I write about brand advertising, in particular, uh, I get this sort of pushback, and I I get it, I get where it comes from, where where it comes from. I guess, um, well, I, I and maybe this is the 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 MBA, and particularly the fact that I went to a marketing nah, school, well, um, uh, coming through. But I, I I'm I'm skeptical. Oh, that, look, so uh, so I mean, th- one of the wonderful things about being here, and and like what you said, talking to people, like getting feedback. Um, occasionally I get to speak to some pretty cool people who've done some cool stuff. And one of them recently was a very senior marketer. And the way this person was talking about brand advertising, it's not going anywhere anytime soon. I, I, it was, it was, it was like the conversation was, uh, Chatham house rules. So I'm not going to mention who or whatever, but I left, this is someone I have a lot of respect for. And I left the conversation thinking, okay, uh, there's, yeah, like this is someone who's done it, who really knows what they're doing. And just, I very much left with the impression that sure, direct response is nice, but brand is still key. Yeah. And the, what I think is fair to question is, you know, will Facebook capture as much as I think they will? I mean, maybe they will, maybe they won't. You can talk about, will Facebook, will Facebook, you know, actually keep all the users? Is this young person thing an issue? I don't think it is for the record. I think Facebook is like email. Um, everyone has it. Everyone has to be on it uh, eventually. Um, uh, How much? But you could you, you could you could debate that. You could also debate maybe brand advertising will never actually work on the internet. Maybe it will always be on TV or whatever, which I think is silly. Um, but I mean, there are. I think you can argue. You can argue the Facebook whether Facebook will be as big a beneficiary as I argue they will be. Um, but I don't think you can argue. Yeah. I think we're, at least I can't argue with you because we're on the same page. Yeah, I mean, I, I, brand I, think, I think the interesting question here for me is how much more, uh, how much more valuable will brand advertising be on Facebook if they can actually, or how much extra will advertisers be willing to pay to do brand advertising where you can track it from, uh, inception yeah. to like uh, conversion, like that's the interesting thing, and how much of a premium they'll be able to achieve on brand advertising. And I, I still think there will be other mechanisms where that tracking isn't available. But you're back in the old world of like firing a shotgun at the broadside of a barn and hoping something hits. You know? Yep. No, it's gonna be interesting. Um, and it and it has an impact on, on anyone. We talked about this a couple weeks ago, but you know, ever 
because advertising is a zero sum game, like the more that Facebook captures or the higher rates they're able to charge, the less room and money there is for everyone else. Um, and, you know, there's, there's what, $600 billion spent on advertising mm-hmm. in a year. Um, and the implication of Facebook, you know, people, you know, some, Facebook being a massive company is that they're capturing a big share of that. And if they're capturing a big share of that, that means other people are not capturing a big yeah. share of that. And so there, there's actually, and this is what I, I talk about advertising probably more than any other tech mm-hmm. writer that I know of, but this is a big reason. Like you can't really understand consumer tech in my opinion, or the media business broadly, if you don't understand advertising, because it, it, it it's, Mm. The whole point of checker is talk about the business and strategy side of things and integral to that is advertising. And that's why this is such a this point is actually even bigger than the article painted it to be because the knock on effects on tons of industries and tons of companies are significant. Yeah, that, that, I mean, it's it's broader than advertising. Like you can't talk about business strategy without talking about revenue. And this for so many industries yeah, exactly. is is the lifeblood. No, for sure, for sure, and uh, yeah, everything's obviously interconnected, and um, and and it gets into like good products and the yeah. way you actually get attention and all that sort of stuff. Um, but yeah, one, uh, one of the things that's related to this that I wanted to bring up and get your perspective on was actually um, so it, it's clearly advertising's um, uh, tightly tied to the media, and as this effect strengthens, I th- and it's something we talked about previously, we're going to see a shift of more content producers to platforms. But there, there's a, I, I feel like maybe we've touched on it a little bit, but the the downside of concentrating content producers on platforms and the amount of power this gives the platform owners to determine what actually goes out in terms of content. And I, I don't know, one of, I, again, we talk a, a lot about Apple, but there are a few interesting examples of that happening during the week. Yeah, with the the, the apps being yeah. And I, I mean, I know they're apps, so it's potentially not the, it's potentially not the typical. Well, which, which, were, which were the two apps? So iFixit had, uh, iFixit was pulled when they uh, broke the terms and conditions of the uh, developer agreement by tearing down um by doing a teardown on an Apple TV. And as part of that, they had their app pulled, um, which is, I, I, yeah, okay. I, I kind of get it. Not great. But there was one that really, really got me, which was um, Apple pulling a an app that reports on drone strikes. Um, so deaths from drone strikes all around the world. And this app does real-time pushes and whatever and tells the story of these people who are dying. And Apple removed the app from the App Store due to objectionable content. Now, we might, I mean, it's technically under the App Store as opposed to news content. But I really think of this as news content. And I, I found it troubling that Apple was making this assertion that this was objectionable content. And I, I kind of wanted to slam my fist on the table and say the objectionable part was killing the people, not reporting on it. Yeah, it, it, there's actually quite, there's actually even more um, interesting angles beyond the, you know, the risks of there being a central mm. aggregator, which we should, we should for sure talk to. Um, just first off, as an aside, and you kind of mentioned this, I, I have a hard time being worked up about the iFixit thing because what happened was Apple didn't pull the app was they canceled their developer account, which yep. 
I, I mean, it, yes, you could argue maybe Apple did it because they violated, you know, Apple cares about secrecy, blah, blah, blah. The fact of the matter is, like, they were dead to rights, right? I mean, like, iFixit uh, signed a developer account. They signed a specific account for the Apple TV to get a pre-production, you know, pre-production mm-hmm. model. And then they they broke the terms and then Apple canceled the account and the app was yeah. tied to the account. I so mean, the app it would have been more objectionable if the uh, the app hadn't been tied to the account and that. But- right. Exactly. No, exactly. Exactly. But, so it's here. Apple like has, has an out where you can you can explain it away, even though I agree with you. I, I don't like that it happened. But yeah, the drone strike one is, I think, a, a stronger example for 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 that reason specifically. Yeah, this is something that just keeps giving me pause. It's um, it's this notion that that uh, there are going to be uh, particularly as content producers come to rely more and more on the platforms the amount of power that the platforms have increases and things like this, like I, I, I just have a rough time with it. The, the same time with the face, the Facebook newsfeed. It's like it, it you, like people just assume that that's the news they should be seeing. They don't, they're not thinking about all the algorithms running behind it that that's determining what comes up and what doesn't. But you mentioned that there was another more interesting take on it that you wanted to talk about. Oh, no, no. I wouldn't say it's more interesting. I think this is super key. I, I, I think w- w- what's interesting about the app, the app being mm. pulled situation is what's made the app store particularly unique when it comes to kind of Apple's online commerce services is because Apple has controlled it completely. It's actually been more open and freely accessible in some respects. Um, so, for example, Apple this week for just announced that Apple Music, iTunes movies and iBooks are coming to China. Mm. Um, it's 2015 and the iTunes music store was what? 2003. Mm. Uh, and the reason is because, um, you know, there's rights holders and all, like, there's just all sorts of like mm. stuff intertwined with all, with all that. Um, whereas the app store has been in China from the beginning and the, and the reason is, is because Apple controls it. Right. And so it's actually been more freely available, uh, and an app with, you know, has been more freely available through the app store than would be uh, online. On the flip side, uh, there's all kinds of objectionable content in the iTunes store, uh, whether it be movies, whether it be uh, whether it be songs, whether it be uh, things that Apple finds objectionable, like unflattering portrayals of Steve Jobs um, or whatever, mm. whatever it might be. Uh, and it's it, I, I, I'm not sure what the point is other than that. I think this. It's interesting how it just kind of gets to some of the trade-offs that, that that go into this. By virtue of Apple controlling it, in some respects, it's freer. In other respects, it's much more restrictive. Um, yeah. And pro- I think overall for the, for the yeah. worse. Well, it's but. Also, it, this also speaks to the blurring lines between content. I mean, uh, I, I almost feel like they apply the more principled approach to uh, the the quote unquote historically accepted views of what journalism and what content is, and like okay, we'll apply freedom of speech principles to movies. Yeah, I don't like the Steve Jobs movie, but like we're not gonna not put it up there because like that's a movie and that's freedom of speech, and I don't have to like it. And yet on the other hand, this this drone strike app, like this is a this is a very different form of journalism. It's it's more data based. It's it's like there's an update every time something happens. It's certainly not a traditional newspaper, and it, it's not it, like it's and and it's almost like because it's new, Apple feels more comfortable saying, "Oh, we don't like this. We're going to take it down." 
It's interesting. I'm I'm actually not sure. Um, I just did a quick Google search, but I couldn't find it. If I I don't know if Apple even if they have an agreement with a studio or or a, a label, I don't know if they even can can they pick and choose what what's in their store. I'm not sure. Um, I don't. It, it's it, it's interesting, but yeah, no, it's yeah. You're right because the the truth is, at the end of the day, they're all ones and zeros anyway. Um, <laughs> sorry, that was the most. No. I was talking about being losing the forest for the trees before. That's like yeah. the epitome of it. Um, but uh. But no, you're right. It, it is interesting how this is distinguished. And, you know, I think Apple is and will continue to be a flashpoint for this specific criticism because, you know, they've always gone for the sort of Disney sort of sort of thing. But I mean, Facebook has gotten themselves in trouble for this a lot. I think particularly uh, Instagram, um, where they're they're, you know, they're banning certain uh, women's nipples. Let's uh, just call it what it is. Well, what's interesting is uh uh, Kevin Systrom, uh, Instagram's Instagram CEO, b- is actually blaming Apple oh. for that. Uh, in that the App Store explicitly bans nudity within apps unless it's rated suitable for over 17. And Instagram doesn't want to have to throw up a suitable for over 17 um, because they want t- the whole teenager thing. We huh. just talked about that, um, which is interesting, which I is that actually connection. that's almost a it's almost an even deeper level, right? Because it's it's there's knock on effects to Apple's policy for other services. And Instagram, unlike Facebook, did not start on the web. It really is mm-hmm. just an app. Same thing with Snapchat. Um, and yeah, so the 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 reach of Apple's policies to this, and certainly Facebook and Instagram can censor all all on their own. They have. Um, but yeah, it, it is it is concerning. Yeah, I it. <laughs> It, this is this whole open web versus platform thing, right? And I think I, I I understand why publishers will inevitably start moving towards these platforms, but I I do think we're going to risk losing something. That there's a risk that there's a societal risk as a result of that of of having fewer choke points and these companies that are. Uh, like yeah, like you think about a company entering China, it, it's it's easier for a government who wants to. If people become uh, conditioned to getting their news off these platforms and they're not used to going out to the web to doing it, it's much easier for. Uh, it's much easier for. Like there are fewer choke points. It's easier to control this kind of stuff, and I think I think we run a risk as a result of that. Yeah, well, bad example because China's managed to control the web web pretty well too through like three choke points. Um, but I guess this gets back to where I'd push mm. back on you a little bit, and uh, and you actually said before about Facebook and the kids in the cabin, um, how you're worried, you, you it bothers you the effect Facebook mm. is having. Uh, Facebook isn't doing anything. Facebook is responding to a market demand for yeah. what they provide. Okay, uh-huh. I, and people make decisions about what to do and what not to do. The web will always exist. And the fact that people don't go to it isn't Apple's yeah. fault. It's no, not no, no. Facebook's fault. It's people's fault. And, and the fact of the matter is, is you can get drone strike sort of stuff on the internet as well. Um, and again, I, I object to Apple pulling that app in particular. Uh, and I agree with your concern. But at some point, there's some sort of line that I feel very mm. uncomfortable going across where I'm shifting personal responsibility from people to corporations who, at the end of the day, are responding 
to what people yeah, want and demand. I mean, I, I very much sympathize with that. And this is where I think this is where it's like interesting to do this tech society and step back. And I, I, it, it gets interesting for me in the context of things like junk food, right? Like there's definitely an, uh, there's definitely an element of personal responsibility that goes into uh, the decisions around that. And we definitely shouldn't be making it. Um, we definitely, sh- we, we definitely shouldn't be taking away people's ability to go do that. But at the same time, there's also this broader question where, I don't know. I have a, a friend posted this fantastic um, article on Medium that, that went viral about the world's going crazy. And he walked into a local supermarket and all you see is junk food, right? Like there's, there's basically, it's, it's one big diabetes creating environment everywhere you look. And it, it's, it's, I don't think that's a good thing. Like, on some level, that's not a good thing. And yeah, it's on one hand, it's easy to say there's personal responsibility. But on the other hand, it's uh, like the, the system, society should be set up so we're not giving in necessarily to base desires. It shouldn't be the fact that the food that's most unhealthy is the easiest to access. You shouldn't have food deserts. You shouldn't ha- like, that. I don't know. I I. I, I, I no, I, I get your point. I get your point. I mean, the 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 uh, you can't you can't uh, you you can't what is it? You can't lead a right. horse to water, um, but you can right. put the water there. <laughs> I'm, I'm like augmenting that, uh, yeah, for sure. But I guess there is a there is a difference between um, uh, the food. You mentioned mm. food deserts, right? And food deserts are usually in low income neighborhoods and areas where like the only place mm. to buy food are like convenience right. stores. And like, there's, there's no, you, even if you wanted to, to eat healthy or buy healthy food, mm-hmm. you can't, um, and agree that that is, I think there's a difference between that and people being yep. incapable versus you can go to whole foods and you can buy food. That's terrible for you. They have, you know, and you can buy food that's, mm. that's healthy for you. And I think it's, at least from my, in my opinion, it's important to differentiate yeah, between yeah. those two things. The, the former is deserved of action. The latter, uh, at some point, you just got to let people. Yeah, I agree. I mean, on the, yeah, I I agree. I, 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 I'm not going to win this debate, but I'm going to keep pressing, which is that it's uh, a version of this happened uh, in Australia where there are these things. Well, poker machines are a thing everywhere, but there's a, uh, it's a, it's a big debate in Australia. There are these clubs that, that make a lot of money out of them. And the, there are a whole bunch of really smart neuroscientists developing these things to make them as addictive as possible. And it's typically the people who can least afford to play them that end up getting hooked on them. And Sorry, you, you're talking about the App Store again? <laughs> I mean, it's the same kind of thing, right? Like you've got a whole bunch of really, really smart people working inside um, – working inside these companies, figuring out how to get uh, uh, 14-year-olds or whatever to to be as addicted as possible to their screens. And if you step back, do, do you, yeah, there are definitely benefits to connection and there are fantastic things that have happened as a result of the internet. But on again, if you step back and you think about it, is, is net net to society that 
these kids are permanently glued to their devices looking at these things and what they're looking at and the research that's starting to emerge to suggest it's actually having a detrimental effect on their brains. Yeah, I get the personal responsibility argument and it's really hard to argue against that, but there is something that's somewhat troubling about this, right? No, I for sure. Um, and uh, and no, I, I also get the... I spend half my time talking about incentives and how important they are and the conditions you place around decision-making have a tremendous impact on the decisions Mm -hmm. that are made. Uh, I I guess the, for this specific, so I'm not going to argue with you either. We're, we're, we're in, we're in this very strange sort of agreement dance on this episode (laughs) where we kind of agree, but we, we, we're not sure if we do when it comes to the app store and Facebook and the, the, the flip side of, worrying that people are feeding themselves mm. with junk food. And I know you want to say BuzzFeed, I, but I didn't, I, you know, I, I, didn't. <laughs> I, uh, I think I've, yeah, I've, BuzzFeed I've, enough I've, I've kind I of make come around joke. to your side on BuzzFeed. Well, no, but the, the fact of the matter is most of what feed BuzzFeed posts is, yeah, is okay. junk food. I, I, I think what it's just some of the best junk food on the web. Like they do junk food better mm-hmm. than anybody else. Right. Um, and then they really also, good junk they also business model. No, and they have other and they yeah, work with right. advertising. Um, you know, uh, the um, and they also do lots of good news and all sort of stuff. But yeah, I I can admit what they are. I admire their business. Um, but yes, yeah, so you could say, oh, wait, and Facebook has talked about this. I think uh, Chris Cox, the VP, there's a few years ago talked about how wants basically this idea that Facebook be more of a uh, you know wants to have higher quality content and. You know, I don't know if he said it or was it was like more like New York Times articles versus, you know, clickbait viral, viral stuff. Um, if I may use one of your arguments Boy. and many people's arguments that I have personally complained about because I usually think it's overstated. Isn't there a bit of a slippery mm-hmm. slope to rather than like, what's the worst evil? Letting people eat what they want. Or and eating is a bad example because there's clear repercussions. What, letting people read what they want, or having a corporation start to actively choose what they ought to read. Well, I I, I would argue that uh, <laughs> corporations are actively choosing what people read, and yeah, but I feel there's a difference between like editorial choices versus versus like. Facebook, for example, I think I, I, the Facebook feed is is algorithmically driven and algorithms are written mm-hmm. by humans. So, yes, Facebook is making choices. But as far as I understand it, it, like those choices are optimized around like what people actually respond to in engagement. And so the primary input, again, as far as I yeah. know, and this is a big thing, big problem. No one knows this is like what people but are responding to. to cr- no, I agree, like, but how's that well, different to Coca-Cola saying people respond better to sugary drinks? That's why we keep selling it to them. Well, I'll okay, get to, get to that. Contrast that to um, to Apple News, um, or at least theoretically. I don't know how much they're doing it yet, but where there's there's people actually choosing this is what you ought this is what you ought to read, and is the ought to read is that to drive engagement or is it because this is something you, you you ought to know. Like, what if people are engaging very highly with an article critical of Apple's labor practices? Is that is there going to be a move to about that to change it around? And the reason why I think it matters is uh, health matters hugely. And this, uh, I'm probably going to email about this. Like, 
pollution matters. All this stuff matters. Uh, I don't think anything matters as much as ideas. Mm. And, and that's not to sell short the implications of junk food and health and the tremendous costs, both in money mm-hmm. and in life and quality that it is. I'm not dismissing that at all. I'm just saying at the end of the day, what is at the very tip top of the pyramid and what, what controls everything mm-hmm. underneath it is, is ideas. And I'm just super skeptical and, and worried about anything that's, I would rather have the sort of benign consumer driven bit of ideas where knowing that there, as long as there's always avenues for the truly disruptive and revolutionary and dangerous ideas to get out, which is the web. than I am about corporations actively deciding what people should, should read or not. I, I, I don't know. I, I feel like maybe I'm mischaracterizing it, but I'm feeling like you're m- making my argument for me because like, if, if, if you believe that there's an increasing shift to these platforms um, and we've, uh, you've made the case and I completely agree, then don't you think the prevalence of, of uh, instances like Apple removing drone strike apps from the App Store, isn't that going to increase? And as, as the platforms become more prevalent, isn't it going to be harder for people to find access to that information elsewhere? I, 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 yeah, no, I, I think I've always agreed with you on that. Like I find Apple's removal of it very, very troubling. Um, I mean, I guess the, the question for you is like, what, what is the solution? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure I want the government telling Apple what they should or should not include. Cause they, the, I mean, at the end of the day, the government is the one with police power and that's why the government, that's why they're, that's why there's a, a freedom of speech, uh, does not guarantee you the right to be heard. It does not guarantee you right to Facebook mm-hmm. or to Twitter mm-hmm. or to anything. It guarantees you the right to not get arrested like that. And that's, that's a, and that's the state has as much as we talk about corporations and the power they're accruing uh, at the end of the day, it's only the state that can deprive Liberty can deprive freedom and that's why it will always have special yeah. restrictions and why as much as you can worry about this, I'm even more worried about that. Mm-hmm. And I would add, and this, this is in the privacy thing too. That's why I think a lot of people, including myself, find the NSA stuff way more objectionable, even though Facebook knows even more about me than the NSA does. Like it's it like, oh, you don't care about private corporations. But you care about the government. Yeah, that's exactly, that's 100% true. Um, and, and this is the reason why and i guess what i take hope is the web is still there and the web will always be there and the web is a triumph of humanity and that would never have been designed on purpose it had to happen accidentally but it's there it's not going away and that gives me relief and gives me hope that i i I agree with this but i i like part of my issue with what what's happening is that the what you're the that there's there's I mean, I like Ev Williams' characterization of this. There's the open web and there's the closed web. And I, I feel like the closed web is starting to, I mean, everyone just assumes that the open web wins as he makes the case. But what happens if this was just anomalous? And- I'm not saying the open web will win. I, I think it will, as far as usage and, and value and, and like monetary value, it, it not only will lost, I'd argue it already well, has well- lost. 
or it's on its way. Like that's the premise of a lot of pieces I write, but that doesn't mean it's gone. And that doesn't mean it doesn't exist. And that doesn't mean that revolutionary and radical ideas can't arise on the web. They can, and they do, and they will. And that gives me hope. I, I don't see a on future the web or the closed where web are, you, are you talking just to be specific. Do you think those ideas are going to continue? Like, uh, like even on the closed web, that will continue to happen. No, on the open but, web. But, but people like, aren't, the, like, I don't know. I feel like of everyone. That's people's, that's people's problem. But of though. everyone, I feel like you've made the argument, start with a business model, right? And if the argument is all the money's disappearing out of the open web, who's going to be left using it? <laughs> Radical ideas are not very monetizable, for one. Uh, the, the, the point, my point is... And I'm not, and, my, and radical ideas don't even deserve no, no, no. to be monetized. I agree with that. But all the se. infrastructure surrounding it, all the infrastructure surrounding the open web, starts to disappear. Like if everybody's using Facebook to, if everybody's used to using Facebook to read all the news all the time, why even have Safari? Why even have Chrome? Like, like I. And and I think and I think that's a ridiculous argument. I don't think that Safari or Chrome are are going to go away and you could push back me oh apple tv doesn't have webkit or, or the watches of webkit um which would be the most realistic response to what i'm saying but uh my entire point is i don't think the web or safari or chrome has any special right to prominence or right to make money or right to have a sustainable business model it's enough that it exists and people will find their way and ideas will find their way ideas are are the reason why governments the world over from time immortal, including China today, most famously, but also many other countries today, the reason why they are restrictive of the just, just words on a page, like words on a page has transformed the world again and again, transformed the world with the printing press, it transformed the world with newspapers. Weeflet started the American revolution and that, that is the most basic form of technology. It's the most basic form of the web. And, and it, and that's why the most objectionable thing in technology is like the great firewall, because it's, it's, it's restricting the most basic unit of, of ideas. And as long as that exists, uh, ideas are powerful yeah. and they will, I mean, they will, they will I, find I, their way I, through. Uh, so I, um, I agree with you all the way up to the very end of that. I I I, I love your uh, like a little a little way back. You talked about yeah, health is important, but at the pinnacle is ideas, and I agree. But then you went on to say that government has uh, there are specific restrictions placed on government because they have the ability to control liberty. Now, using your framework of the ideas at the top and health, which is the physical body underneath. I would actually say that those that control the ideas, actually, we need to place a higher degree of of scrutiny and potentially even regulation as a society on top of them. And the people that are going to, or the in, in entities that are going to have the biggest impact on the distribution of ideas going forward are not going to be governments. They're going to be these big, powerful platforms and corporations. And I guess that's my point. But you're 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 operating at least as I perceive it. You're presenting this view that presumes the web doesn't exist. But I, like it, it doesn't ma- like it doesn't matter that the web isn't 
where most people spend their time. But what happens when the new? It just matters that it's there. The, I guess my point is, if if all the money goes away, if the New York Times doesn't make money, I I I I, I, I think. Um, I'm imagining a future where as the revenue disappears, there's a degree of entropy where you're imagining a future where the open web, despite the fact all the money goes, will just sustain itself. And I guess I want to challenge that assumption. No, I'm saying I'm saying someone somewhere can put up a web server with a web page on it. And there will be a link to that. And that link can be shared through any number of means. And the power to distribute an idea today is far greater than it's ever been in history. And last time I checked, no one was paying Martin Luther to nail his thesis to the door of the church. I mean, but there's a, I guess, yeah, no, no, no. And all this makes sense. I guess if everybody gets so accustomed to getting their news off Facebook or getting their news from Apple news, uh, if, if, um, that that becomes such the norm because the New York Times can't make money on the open web, so they put. I'm sorry, but we're accustomed to getting news in the New York Times, and the New York Times gets stuff wrong all the time. No, no, no. I, I get the point. I'm using it as an example. I'm saying all these institutions start publishing on these platforms. They don't even bother with a website. Uh, but uh, I, I guess I I'm asking you to imagine a future in which the there's so little money flowing through the open web that it's all started to shift. And maybe I'm 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 probably pushing further than uh, I might be out there on a limb. Just maybe it's more of a thought experiment. But the idea that more of this content starts to shift to platforms, there's more monetization opportunities. Like everything can be done through these platforms. You don't even need to go to the open web. Someone puts something up there, but no one goes there anymore. It's like it's like posting on an AOL message board. No one's on AOL anymore. Sure, you can put it up there, but what happens in the future? Like the closed web takes over to such an extent that the open web doesn't even exist. Uh, I'm not going to accept your world because we just disagree on fundamental premises, and I think we're going in circles here. A web page is effectively free. Uh, a, a printed page is not. So I I I, I reject the analogy. I and. Frankly, the sort of ideas that are worth being protected, uh, and no advertisers can go near them anyway. Advertisers will flee dangerous ideas miles before a corporation will will edit them, and miles before the government will censor, will censor them. I mean, so the 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 entire the entire worry is is the entire focus on monetization is to miss the the what ideas are need to be protected. One and two. From a cost perspective, that's what makes the web and a distribution perspective. That's what makes the web so remarkable. Like I can any computer anywhere in the world can serve up a page to any other computer in the world. And frankly, if there's any if there's a point to be pushed, it's not about the corporations, it's about the ISPs. It's about the ones who are actually controlling like the actual connection. Cause that's where that because that's actually threatening the actual infrastructure of the distribution of ideas and no one has a right to be seen. And, uh, and yes, these big platforms control discovery and that's why they're valuable, but distribution, no one controls again, against arguably the ones who are actually physically connecting the device serving to the internet. But then you get to peer to peer, you get like that, all these technologies, like and I'm delighted that these technologies exist for this exact reason. It's not that I disagree with you that there is this danger. It's that I am relieved that 
these scenarios you're painting aren't technically realistic or, or financially when it comes to the actual cost of running a web server compared to the cost of running a printing press. I, I, I agree with that. I, I would say that even the, the, the number of places where you can go to get a web server is starting to shrink. And again, anytime there's a monoculture, you put yourself at risk. Well, uh, we, we can, um, we, we can look at that. Uh, want to thank Zendesk for sponsoring us. Zendesk.com slash embeddables, uh, have great customer service, uh, and ideally great conversations. And, uh, I guess we'll have to leave it at that. Thank you for putting up with me. I, I again, I think you're probably right. I just wanted to explore the idea. All right. Sounds good. So, yeah. I'll talk to you later. Zendesk makes software for better customer service. Its platform is designed to bring organizations and their customers closer together and is used by more than 60,000 organizations in 150 countries. Customer relationships are built on trust and communication. That requires making customer service a core part of product experiences, not an afterthought. Make your customer service seem like magic by building it directly into your apps, websites, and products with Zendesk Embeddables. Find out more by visiting zendesk.com forward slash embeddables.